Welcome to the Purposeful Parenting Podcast. I'm Harriet Rowe, wife and mother of four adult children, three girls and one boy, all graduates of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Grab a cup of tea or coffee, get cozy, and take in your weekly dose of Purposeful Parenting. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Purposeful Parenting. In less than a week, we'll be celebrating Easter. Believe it or not, it's been less than six months ago that we celebrated Christmas, the birth of Jesus the Christ. It's important for us to remember that if Easter, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus hadn't happened, then his birth would have served no purpose at all. With that in mind, in this episode, I am going to cover some of the major events leading up to the celebration of Easter. Needless to say, it's important to tell your child about Easter and what the true meaning of Easter is. Now, it's okay to have fun with the Easter bunny and dyeing eggs and hiding them, the Easter egg hunt, and to dress up and put on an Easter bunnet, but it should not be done at the expense of teaching your child the real meaning of Easter. We'll start at the Last Supper. The Last Supper occurred on Passover's first day, or the festival of what's known as the unleavened bread. As a matter of fact, today is Passover. Jesus sent his disciples into the city to prepare a meal in order to celebrate Passover. Now, Passover is the remembrance of Israel being freed from the slavery in Egypt. Specifically, it's when the angel of death passed over their homes, but they passed by the Israelites' home because of the lamb's blood being placed over the doors. Now, imagine, if you will, this dinner is taking place, and as the disciples reclined and were eating with Jesus, he told them, that one of the 12 would betray him. Now, one by one, each one of the disciples denied that it would be them. Even Judas said that he would never betray Jesus. Jesus responded that the person who betrays him would have a terrible fate. And we know that person was Judas. Now, Jesus prayed, and he thanked God, his Father, for the meal. He then took the bread, and he shared the wine with the disciples. He explained to them how the bread was a symbol of his body, and it was broken for them, and that the wine was a symbol of his blood, which would be poured out for their sins to be forgiven. Now, what he was doing now is the church's tradition 
of communion, and that's where it comes from. After the meal, Jesus became like a servant, and what he did, he went to each disciple and he washed their feet. Now, Peter really didn't feel right having Jesus wash his feet, but Jesus told him that he was doing this as an example to them. He was doing this because now the disciples would be able to wash each other's feet and they would be servants of all people. During the meal, as I mentioned of the Last Supper, he predicted, he meaning Jesus, that one of you will betray me. And again, he was referring to Judas. Judas decided that he was going to get up and leave the supper, and he went to the Roman authorities. Now, let's take a look at what was going on with Jesus and the other disciples at the end of the supper. They had gone to the garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus was praying And he spent the night and had asked the disciples to watch while he was praying. And they would fall asleep and then wake up, fall asleep and wake up. But he was praying. And one of the prayers was, Father, please, if I don't have to do this, please take this cup from me. And it says that he had sweat that was like blood because he was afraid. Remember, he was a hundred percent God, but he was a hundred percent man. And he had the same emotions that we had. He was afraid. Well, let's get back to Judas. Judas was talking to the Roman authorities and he accepted 30 pieces of silver from them. And he agreed that he would take them to Jesus because he knew where Jesus and the uh, other disciples were. He knew that they would be in the garden near Jerusalem. And he had led the soldiers there. And he told the soldiers, he said, listen, whoever I kiss will be the one and you need to take him into custody and you need to lead him away under guard. Well, it was Judas that walked right into the garden. He walked right up to Jesus and the other disciples, and he approached Jesus and he said, Greetings, Rabbi. Judas gave him a kiss, and Jesus said very softly, Fellow, for what purpose are you present? Now, Jesus already knew, but he asked Judas, But before Judas said anything, Jesus answered his own question. And he said, Judas, are you betraying the son of man? Now, you've probably heard the phrase, the Judas kiss. Well, this is where it came from. Because Judas had been one of the disciples and very close to Jesus, but he turned on him and betrayed him. Now, as the soldiers moved toward Jesus, the other apostles knew what was getting ready to happen because all these soldiers are getting ready to descend on Jesus. And 
before Jesus could say anything, Peter had taken out his sword and he chopped off Malchias's ear. And this guy was a high priest's servant. He chopped off his right ear. Now, Jesus, even though he's going through this tremendous stress, caressed the servant's ear and he healed the wound. And then he took it a step further and he told Peter, he said, Peter, return your sword to its place. For all those who take up the sword will die by the sword. Now, Jesus is willing to be captured, and he is led away by the other, by the Roman soldiers. The next thing we see is the crucifixion. Now, Jesus had prophesied his death, and this was prophesied in in Matthew, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You see, Jesus understood that his life would be required as a sacrifice for the sins of man. At the height of Jesus's ministry, he had performed many miracles. Many Jews had come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, which he was. The Jewish leaders feared Jesus because his following was growing. The followers that he had was growing and they were afraid of him. So, as we mentioned earlier, with the help of Judas Iscariot, the Roman soldiers arrested Jesus, and he was put on trial for claiming to be the king of the Jews. And according to the Roman law, the punishment for rebellion against the king was death by crucifixion. Now, there were several trials that were held against uh, Jesus. And they were all mock trials, and they were all illegal trials. In fact, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate was really reluctant when it came to the punishment of Jesus. In fact, Pilate couldn't find any wrong in Jesus. And to be honest, if anyone was going to be honest, none of them would have been able to find anything wrong in Jesus. He knew no sin. Yet, Pilate, not finding any wrong in Jesus, wanted to give the people what they wanted. And the people wanted death of Jesus. They wanted Jesus to die. So Pilate basically washed his hands and he did it in front of the crowd so that he could symbolize that he was not taking responsibility for the bloodshed of Jesus. And then he handed Jesus over to be beaten and lashed. Now, something else regarding this. This was during a time 
when they could exchange one prisoner for another. And believe it or not, after everything Jesus had done for the people, when they brought out Barabbas, who had done very, very bad criminal deeds and was really a against the Romans and was doing all sorts of killing, they hollered out, free Barabbas, free Barabbas, and they put Jesus to be crucified. Well, we know this is what God was going to have happen, right? Well, they made Jesus a crown of thorns and forced it onto his head. So he's bleeding. Imagine, here this sinless person is. He had this thorn on his head, and head wounds really bleed. So not only was it was it hurting him, it was bleeding into his eyes. I don't know if you've ever seen The Passion of Christ, but I think that is probably the movie that gives an inkling of what Jesus went through. He was beaten with things that had like nails on the end of it. He was lashed. They spit on him. They mocked him. They did all sorts of thing, things to Jesus, this innocent Jesus. In fact, when I think about it, the very people that he created was putting him through this. The creator was being beaten by the people that he loved and he had created. So they marched him off to a place that's called Calvary. And this is translated a place of a skull. Now there were crowds of people who gathered around to mourn and to watch Jesus die. He was nailed to the cross between two criminals and his side was pierced with the sword, but not one of his bones were broken because it had been prophesied that he would not have any bones broken and it did not happen. So Jesus was mocked. And one of the criminals that was on the cross alongside of him was mocking Jesus also, saying things like, if you be the Christ, if you are who you say you are, then command them to take you down. Well, the other one said, Jesus, remember me when you get to paradise. And Jesus answered him saying, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus then looked to heaven and he asked God to forgive them, forgive the very people who were still mocking him, who was giving him vinegar when he said, I thirst, who was poking him in the side. He asked God his father, to forgive them. And then just before he took his last breath, Jesus spoke and he said, Father, 
Into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. Now Jesus died, and there were some extraordinary events that marked the death of Jesus. The sky suddenly went completely dark for three hours as Jesus hung on the cross. At the moment of his last breath, the earth shook. The temple curtain split from top to bottom. And get this, and the tombs of saints opened and their bodies raised from the dead. Wow. The crucifixion of Jesus was a part of God's plan from the very beginning of the birth of Jesus. The sin of mankind would require a sacrifice. The sinless life of Jesus, yes, sinless, he committed no sins. The sinless life of Jesus was lived and given so that man could receive salvation and eternal life in heaven. Next up is the resurrection. This is when Jesus defeated death. The resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, the belief in God's saving grace through Jesus is destroyed. When Jesus rose from the dead, he confirmed his identity as the Son of God and his work of atonement, redemption, reconciliation, and salvation. The resurrection was a real, literal, physical raising of Jesus' body from the dead. As we mentioned, Jesus was arrested. He was tried. He was found guilty by a mock court for claiming to be a king. And his body was hung on a cross between two thieves. After his death, Jesus' body was wrapped in linen cloths and placed in a tomb with a large stone rolled across the opening. And on the third day, an early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and another Mary came to the tomb and found it empty. Now, sitting on the rolled away stone was an angel of the Lord who told them to not be afraid because Jesus has risen. As the women left to tell the disciples, Jesus Christ met them and he held out his nail-pierced hands so they could see it. Both the Old and the New Testament speak of the truth of Jesus being raised from the dead. Jesus testified of his resurrection before he died on the cross, and his disciples saw him after the resurrection. Jesus was born to die. He died for you. He died for me. He died for your children. He died for all of mankind. At any point, he could have called down a league of angels to intervene, but he didn't. 
He was obeying his father. He died to take on our sins. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. The disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous signs, and they're recorded in the Bible. They are written so that we may believe and continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing in Jesus, we'll have eternal life by the power of his name. All you have to do is ask him to come into your life and have the attitude that this is sincere. Here's an example of a prayer. The words are not as important as the attitude and your sincerity. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And again, if you say that and you mean it, then Jesus is now your Lord and your Savior. Jesus came, he died, he took on our sins so that you could say that prayer and have eternal life. Now, I'll end by sharing the words of Deborah Ann. Oh, to know the love of God and the peace that it brings is to understand the grace of what a dying Savior brings. Oh, to know the love of God that forgives us of our sin is to understand the mercy that flows from deep within. Oh, to know the love of God and the promise of eternal life is to understand the compassion it took to end mankind's strife. Oh, to know the love of God that heals, restores, renews, is to understand the promises flowing through the good news. Oh, to know the love of God that one cannot earn or buy, is to come understand why Jesus had to die. Parents, teach your children the real meaning of Easter and lead them to Christ the Savior. Teach them the important things And this is of the utmost importance. It's the most important part of parenting on purpose. Happy Easter. And remember, he is risen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Purposeful Parenting. For more tips on parenting, or if you would like to reach out, 
please visit me on HarrietRowe.com and follow me on Facebook, Harriet Rowe. That's Harriet with two T's. I look forward to grabbing a cup of tea or coffee with you next week. Feel free to invite a friend. Until then, this is Harriet Rowe reminding you to parent on purpose.